So everyone who's anywhere has always started from point A to get to that point B. And what I'll share is this, what I see that people do very frequently is they say they go to a conference or they sit on a webinar or they are watching something on a live and they get really excited and they say, I want to build a brand and I'm going to do all this and I'm going to post and they do it for like a couple weeks and then they stop because they don't see anything as a result from it. And I think the biggest area that they miss out on is they're not setting a goal for themselves and determining what it is that they want from their self and from their career. Hey there, listeners. Welcome in to your go-to podcast talking about career advancement, financial freedom, the free retiree show. I'm your host, wealth manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside my pal, the Venezuelan persuasion, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? Did you like your new intro? I actually really liked it, surprisingly. This is all about branding today, this episode, so I thought I would start. Get the ball rolling with your brand. I appreciate that. But, you know, since we have such a great expert, we're going to ask never her say that you... again. This is okay. your one. No, well, if our expert one says it's, it's a go, I'm using it all the time. So before we get into it, make sure you subscribe to our show. If you have questions, financial related, career related, legal related, make sure you send to ask at the free Also show requests, send them there. Be happy to help you out on whatever you're interested, as long as it hits our pillars. So today we're talking about trying to build up your brand. Whether you're trying to land a new job and you need that credibility, or you're trying to promote a new or existing business, your personal brand is vitally important to the outcome. And as our wise interview coach has said before in the past, we all have a brand, whether we know it or not. It's the way we show up at work. It's the way we show up online. And it's the way that people think about us. So Serge, we talked about this at length before, but you know the importance of having a personal brand at work and online to get more opportunities. What's your take on it? Yeah. I mean, you were spot on. I think at work, we, whether we like know it or want to believe it, we all have a brand depending on how you show up every day, how you interact with people, how you treat people. Trust is huge. And then online, like I, so I work at LinkedIn. Everyone knows that, but like the resume is important, but the minute I get in, like I'm interviewing someone, I'm going to LinkedIn to see what their presence is. So it's LinkedIn. There's other social media sites. So I say like, Really happy to have Melanie on just to kind of help us understand the importance of building your online brand and everything because it's everything right now. Yeah. So for today's episode, we have Melanie Borden joining us and she, we're going to get her advice on how to build a successful brand. We're also learn about her journey and how she established Melanie Borden LLC. She's been wildly successful at building brands, her own brands for other people. She's amassed a LinkedIn following of over 120,000 people. And she's been published. She's been seen on Good Morning America, Daily Mail, New Jersey Morning Show, and Epoch Times. She is a brand consultant for individuals and companies. And she's a multi-contributor to Automotive Trade Magazine, Dealer Magazine, Dealer Marketing Magazine. And you can buy Melanie's book, Our Mommy Works With Cars, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and several online retailers. Melanie, without further ado, thank you for tuning into our show. And we are so honored to have you as our star guest today. Thank you for having me. This is great. 
So you've been in the branding world for a long time and you've had some wildly successful experiences with clients and a great track record. What is it when it comes to building a brand that resonates with people that 99% of us fail to do and you've done so well? That's such a great question. And the answer is really simple is for both individuals and businesses, they fail to connect the dots. And when I say connect the dots, a lot of people don't realize that what you do online, let's say on LinkedIn, can also impact what someone is doing when they're doing a search for you when you're on Google. And businesses today, especially startups and even companies that have already been established, they're in their day-to-day And things like marketing projects and specific to an image of the company, the messaging, their value proposition, et cetera, a lot of that kind of falls to the wayside because they're focusing on other projects. And even if they have a marketing team, and a lot of times with a marketing team, they're focusing on so many other things for sales or um, for product, as an example, that some of the basic, simple things in a day-to-day, they're just missing out on. And it's really just connecting the dots and just having a routine and a process for that. And it also transfers to individuals as well. Love that. How'd you, how'd you get into this, Melanie? Like where, where was like that aha moment for you? Like well, it's funny you said that. aha moment. Yeah. <laughs> you must've been on my YouTube page. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, so very long story short is I've been in the auto industry since 2009. And I was working in mostly business development and consulting with automotive retailers or car dealers, marketing, digital marketing, and digital advertising. And I... In 2017, I went to go work for a client and I came in-house and built an in-house agency for a dealer group that was based at the New York market. Flash forward to early 2020, I saw this really big opportunity with LinkedIn, specifically for the sales team on the sales floor in the dealership. So the group that I worked for had six dealerships, probably around 80 or so sales consultants, including business managers, which was like the finance department, et cetera, customer facing salespeople. So I thought, what if we were able to kind of leverage the salespeople in the sense where they were out creating their brands, talking about the products, talking about the stores, creating this wave online of activity. Plus we were doing our own organic social as the company, right? For each store. And then for the corporate um, brand, we were also doing a ton of digital advertising, including paid social. So I thought if we can get everybody on the same page and there were a lot of people who really wanted to be active on social, but they really didn't know how, and they didn't have the tools or with the wherewithal to kind of execute on it. So I built a training and I would do workshops with each of the sales teams and I would do one-on-ones with them. And we talked all about developing your own brand and your brand voice and, you know, how to develop content, et cetera, pretty much anything from, from inception to execution for building your brand. And that was in January of uh, 2020. And then COVID happened in March and it kind of put a stop to everything that we were working on. And I personally had started executing on LinkedIn myself. Prior to January of 2020, I didn't really have a following. I had connections and there were people in the industry who knew me, 
but I didn't really know anyone outside of the New York market that I lived in. I didn't know anyone. I certainly wasn't connected with anyone globally and I wasn't really connected with anyone across the country. And my intention of building my brand was to create a name in automotive as a retail marketer. And I wanted people to know who I was and I wanted to make a name for myself. And I chose LinkedIn as that platform. So flash forward to COVID, I was very nervous because in the auto industry, on the sales side, anyone who was customer facing essentially had to get shut down. In the state of New Jersey, where I was working, the state shut that portion down. Only if you were an essential business, you stayed open. If you guys can remember back to those fun times of mid-March, 2020. It's tough, yeah. So service in the dealership was considered essential. So that stayed open and I was on the corporate team. So I thankfully was able to hold my position. However, the entire sales team was not saved and they were laid off. And in that moment, there was so much uncertainty for me. I'm a mom. I have, you know, two kids. It just, it was very scary. Like everything was very uncertain. And I realized in that moment that I had, if I lost my job, I had nothing to fall back on. I didn't have a website. I didn't have a social following. I mean, I really had started with LinkedIn, but I didn't have Instagram. I had an old Twitter account that I never used. When someone did a search for me online, nothing really came up. Like I didn't have a digital footprint. And so in that moment, I decided to make the decision to fully execute hard on intentionally setting a goal for myself of creating a presence online. And so that meant creating a website for myself, posting every single day on LinkedIn, connecting with people in my industry and outside the industry. And one thing led to another. And two years later, I mean, it's changed my life, LinkedIn. It really has from getting in articles and doing podcasts like yourself, getting these types of opportunities Mm. It led to me forming my own business. Actually, now I have two businesses that I formed since going off on my own and clients and just opportunities that never would have presented themselves to me if I had never taken those steps to build my brand. So although I had been working in marketing, I just transferred what I knew about marketing a business to myself. So all the things that I was doing in my day-to-day, running an agency internally, I just transferred to me as if I, and I looked at myself as if I was a business because I am, and it just evolved. And that's really the long and the short of it. I don't know if I would say short story long or long story short. I'm not sure which one it is, but that's how I got from point A to point B. That's a great journey. Yeah. Uh, One of the guests that we've had on the past was a CMO of realtor.com, Nate Johnson. And he says this perfectly. He's like, today's day and age your LinkedIn profile is your resume. So, so many people, when you look at their LinkedIn resumes, they don't keep them up to date. It's really tough to see a brand and maybe it's a concept of their own personal brand is maybe something they're not that familiar with. Like how how do you start to build up a brand? Maybe not like to scale yours. Yours is an amazing brand, but what can people that are brand new trying to get on the right foot do? Yeah. And by the way, I was once there too. So everyone who's anywhere has always started from point A to get to that point B. And what I'll share is this, what I see that people do very frequently is 
they say they go to a conference or they sit on a webinar or they are watching something on a live and they get really excited and they say, I want to build a brand and I'm going to do all this and I'm going to post. And mm -hmm. they do it for like a couple of weeks and then they stop because they don't see anything as a result from it. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest area that they miss out on is they're not setting a goal for themselves and determining what it is that they want from their self and from their career with LinkedIn specifically. And then you can transfer that to other social platforms as well. I'm just not as interested in other social platforms because LinkedIn is where the decision makers are. That's where people are already in a business mindset. So if someone's looking to hire for their business and they're seeing yeah. someone talking about a specific industry or a subject that they're interested in, they're going to be more inclined to talk to that person. We're not sponsored by LinkedIn, by the no. way. <laughs> <laughs> Make that clear. <laughs> but even though, I mean, if you look at the different social platforms, right? If you look at TikTok, which I love TikTok too. If you look at Twitter, if you look at Instagram and Facebook, you can't see into that user. You can't see who they're connected to if they're private. You can't see their work history. You can't see at what level they are. You can't see their education with LinkedIn. You can see all of that. And so I think having a goal with LinkedIn is really, really important. And that's a big area that I would strongly suggest anyone and the clients that I work with. And I'm sure when, even when you guys are doing your day-to-day, -day, you have a, an intention or a goal of what you're looking to get from the platform. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. the goal could be anything from, I'm looking for a new position within the organization I work for, right? Or a goal could be, I'm looking to leave the company I'm working at or I'm looking to get into this particular industry or I'm looking to establish myself in the industry so that way I can get to the next level in my journey. That's super interesting. Yeah, something you mentioned earlier was you're helping some of the employees of the dealerships with their online branding. Something I think yeah. Lee and I have seen with even some of the guests we've had on, some companies actually discourage their employees from having a strong online brand. You know, I'm because curious, like, what are your thoughts there and what do you say to companies who have that mindset? So my thoughts are this, number one, it's an antiquated mindset. Number two, you cannot control what anyone does. You cannot control it. And at the end of the day, look, you can work for a company. I've worked for companies and there've been social media waivers where you have to sign to make sure that when you're on social, that you're representing the company in the best light possible. And that's something that's completely normal and acceptable in terms of that you're not going to be hateful that you're not going to post things that um, are derogatory or something that's really would make someone say, what is going on with that person? And why would they be posting something like that? Because it's so beyond inappropriate. That's okay. But you can't hold someone back from growing who they are. And I think that what you'll see is, and I hear this all the time, people will message me and they're like, I wanted to comment so bad on your post. But if I comment, my CEO is going to see that and he's going to start giving me a hard time when we go on our weekly calls. So that's a perfect example. And my message to the companies that are out there is you can't control. It. It's just going to continue to evolve. And especially if you have a really good person who's really, who's really profitable for your business, you have to encourage it and you have to help them grow because it's only going to help your business grow. Because if you have someone who is shining in your company, yes. They're going to get noticed. People are going to see them and people might want to reach out and try to hire them, but they might be doing that anyways. 
you just don't know about it because it's not done visually through a platform like LinkedIn. But you can also say, okay, these are our company objectives for the quarter. This is the market that we're looking to get into. You can start helping your employee be methodical in terms of how they're going to market and how they're growing their brand versus fighting them. Yeah. One thing I've noticed with your profile is you have this content that just seems to just resonate with a lot of people online. I mean, I feel like you're like a, you're like semi-famous right now, like in terms of like the traction you get on LinkedIn. We're like, man, look at this. Like, look how, look how many people love her. And I mean, rightfully so. But like, what, is there a secret sauce in like how you're putting out your content? There's definitely a method to the madness for sure. And I paid attention a lot to what other people were doing who had really big followings before I started. And I started implementing, and I'll tell you a couple of those things. And there's a lot of growth strategies too, that a lot of people don't know about that would really help them benefit. So number one, when you're posting, you got to be consistent. I know the word consistency is so overused right now, and I kind of stay away from it, but I've been, it's funny. I've been texting people I know and saying, okay, what's another word for consistency? (laughs) Let's talk (laughs) about it. Let's talk about a different type of word because I want to use something else, but At the end of the day, you have to be consistent with everything you're doing, including what time you're posting. Now, I don't know if this is the truth or not. And I've, this is a theory of mine that I've had for many months is that when you post at the same time, people get trained to know when your content is coming, right? So for the last two years, I have posted at 7.40 AM Eastern and 9.12 Eastern, And I've chosen those times because that's when I'm on my phone, I'm doing work, I'm getting my day going and I'm reading content. And so I just assume that that's when other people are around too. And I know that that morning timeframe is really an active time for a lot of people before they, you know, start their day for work. And also we have so many more people who are working from home now versus in early 2020, that was the time I was commuting to my office. So I probably wouldn't have been on my phone, but now everyone's home and working remotely for the most part. So, so that's one area that I would highly suggest. The second thing is engaging with your content. It's an area that to me in the beginning was so uncomfortable, like liking my own posts, commenting (laughs) on my posts, But the algorithm picks up engagement and that's what brings someone to the front page of a post when it's being done. So I would suggest when you do a post in that early morning timeframe, start commenting on your own post and that other people in your network will see it. Because when you engage on any post on LinkedIn, that your network sees what's going on that particular post. Even your own posts. Even your own posts. It's no different. Your post, my post. Sergio's post, like whoever's post, you have to comment on someone's post and that's the engagement. And some ways that you can do that is you could put your website URL in. you could put some, an example would be a previous post that you've done, your newsletter, maybe some sort of a creative graphic that you shared on another platform, et cetera. So that would be another way to really help yourself stand out from other people. And most people, if they don't know, they don't know. But if you do know, you should definitely leverage that strategy for sure. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to growth strategies and creating a wave of people who are interested in your post is it comes down to emotional connections, right? And having someone emotionally connect with who you are. 
So, and I break that into two categories. So one version of an emotional connection is having someone feel good. People want to feel good when they're on social media. And I really understood that during that COVID time, because for me, it was a way for me to express how I was feeling and experiencing the things that I was going through in my day-to-day at work. So I'm, I consume a lot of positivity, whether it's through guided meditation or I'm listening to positive affirmations. And so I started posting that. And so what I found is people gravitate towards positive quotes and motivational quotes. They Mm -hmm. just do. And on the other side of that, part two of an emotional connection is sharing something very personal about yourself that could be tied back into work. And I'm a very, for someone who is a social media out there with an audience, I'm also very private and I don't share really much about my personal life. If you've noticed through my content, I really don't. I share snippets of my life and I give it from a 30,000 foot view. So sharing personal areas of your life will help someone connect to you and it will help build trust and it will help them with giving perspective into who you are and what you're about. And it will make them like you, especially if they feel the same way as you about a specific subject. And a great way to do that is to talk about an experience at work, right? When I was working at the dealer group, I went through a period of time where I was making a lot of changes and I was on my own making those changes. And it was me and kind of making all those changes and working through that. So I've shared some of that in some of my content. And it's something that many can relate to. So sharing those positive experiences, but also having a take on it where someone could emotionally connect to it. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, that, that last Thank one. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it goes back to that saying, yeah. you know, like, no one cares about what you do till they know who you are. I, I think that's very true. Right. I'm not the person who's going to post about what I'm having for breakfast and what I'm doing every single day. That's just not who I am. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if that's what works for someone, then you definitely want to go with it. But in terms of growth and finding your audience and targeting those people who you want, you know, to follow, you could also another strategy, which you use on other platforms too, is specific hashtags, right? So people search with hashtags, just like we would go into Google and search for something. And you can be very strategic about the different hashtags that you're using in your post. Another growth strategy that I've seen many people using, and I've experienced it myself, is finding content that's already viral. Viral content, a lot of times, will help breed more content and more viral content. So let's say, for example, there's a video that's out there that was published on TikTok that went viral that had let's call it 8 million views because that's pretty viral. Someone takes that video and they repost it on LinkedIn and it ties back into your overall messaging and your brand that will help people find you and like you and follow you because they might be more inclined to want to see more of your content. If you're posting something that really resonates with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The post that you did uh, with the uh, Ukrainian women. Oh yeah, exactly. So awesome. Yeah. So I felt that I I had to say something and I was, obviously this is such a a tragedy that's going on right now. I felt very guilty about posting anything at all because I'm like, how could I even post anything when all this is happening right now in the world? And I usually don't post anything about anything other really than what's happening within my world for the most part. 
And I, I had implemented that strategy specifically, and it, it wasn't intentional for it to be viral. It just happened because it was something that people were talking about. And so I decided to do a post about the women that were stepping up and that were fighting for their country. And it really resonated with a lot of people as it should. (laughs) So, but yes, that was a post, for example, that went viral, that was using an image that I found online, which I couldn't credit because I didn't know who took the photo. Yeah, Melanie, I was thinking back to the emotional connection. When I do a post of like something happened to me or an experience, like you said, it gets way more engagement than I'm like, hey, I have this new podcast episode out. Right, right, right. Because it's self-promotion. That's why. They don't care. Honestly, they don't care. No one cares. I have a new podcast. (laughs) Yeah. No one cares. Something has to be in it for them. (laughs) But they might care if like we have some tips that might be relevant or like we we tie it back to them. So like this is really spot on. It's just, it's a fact. Like when I post something about a personal experience or something that they can relate to, hundreds and hundreds of likes and engagements and thousands, whatever. The other stuff just doesn't get as much engagement. Right. Well, what's interesting about what you just said is that do you ever notice that someone will post on LinkedIn for the first time and they'll even say it in their post or like, I never post on LinkedIn and I know this isn't a platform for anything personal. Like they feel like they have to justify their post and then it goes completely viral. And it's the first time they've ever posted because it was so authentic and it was so real and people immediately connect to it. The people that post, oh, I'm going to post something about what I do to help drum up some business. And then right. it gets like zero likes or one yeah. like, right. and then people are like, I'm never going back to LinkedIn. Right. And that's why they yeah. give up because at the end of the day, people want to consume content that they can learn from. They want to feel good. And LinkedIn is a great platform to do those two things. And so when you post value, and I will tell you that What I think has attributed to the success that I had fast over a couple of years with building an audience is that I wasn't really selling anything except for myself for like almost two years. I say almost two years because once I started my business, I started putting out there that I was available, Mm -hmm. but I do provide content with a lot of the time that will help businesses. And then I started my newsletter on LinkedIn specifically to give content out that will help businesses and individuals and people like that. And it helps develop trust. It helps you with gaining authority and people will look to you as a subject matter expert, regardless of the industry you're in, if you're giving away information. And trust me, there are people that say to me, why do you tell everyone everything? And I'm like, I don't tell everything, but I give enough information away where they're like, okay, she knows what she's talking about Mm -hmm. and she's helpful. And it converts into business. It just does. And I wasn't able to experience that extent of it until I had my own business. But I will tell you that prior, when I was working for the dealer group, What started happening to me is people in the New York market started reaching out and saying, hey, I know that you're based out of Morris County. I'm in Bergen County. I'm looking for this specific model. Do you guys do, you know, remote deliveries? Would you be able to come pick my car up to get serviced? People in Westchester would contact me. People in Manhattan and some of the boroughs would contact me. And it was just because I put myself out there as someone who was working in a car dealer group. And naturally it just flowed that way. So anyone who is putting themselves out there 
is taking advantage of an opportunity that maybe their competitors or that maybe others that they're working with aren't doing. And that ties back to your original question of how does it benefit a business to have their staff promoting what they do? Because ultimately it will drive business. And you have to think about LinkedIn as a farming technique versus a hunting technique when it comes to sales and to business development, because it takes time. You're cultivating relationships and you're building trust. And that's exactly what happens when you're working in business development and you're working as that farmer. Trust me, you can definitely hunt once people start contacting you and saying, Hey, let's have a conversation. Then that's when you can put on your hunter hat. But it's something that every business should be taking advantage of. And if they're not, they're missing a huge opportunity. Man, I feel like you've been just dropping so much value yeah. this morning. You do, you're on a roll. One more piece of free information we want from you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> for the people that have the profile all set up, right? They got, I have my LinkedIn profile. Like I put all my information on there. My current employer is up to date. It's people that want these new job opportunities. What's the one most important area that they could hone in on to kind of uh, get above the competition in terms of job opportunities? Like, is there something they can do to their profile or an area of the profile they could focus on? Yeah, there's actually, there's more than one. I'm going to give you a couple of areas, not just one. (laughs) So one of the areas that I never knew about, I would say before I started working in marketing was this website called Canva. I learned about Canva Mm. probably I want to say maybe like four, four or five years ago is when I learned about Canva and working within the agency, we leverage Canva and we leverage Adobe all the time. However, from an individual perspective, it's a free platform that you can use and you can download. And I would strongly recommend to someone who's looking to build their brand for their LinkedIn profile to get noticed is come up with, from that branding perspective, come up with colors and fonts that really resonate with you. And have that across your LinkedIn profile. So have a banner that has your name on it, that has your email address on it, that has a call to action that would make someone say, oh, this is interesting. Maybe have some of those design elements that pop. Um, Another area on your LinkedIn profile that's completely unused is that 10 second name pronunciation name pronunciation. <laughs> I can actually right, right on cue. <laughs> I can say the word pronunciation. So the name pronunciation I use as, as a elevator statement for my company. And you can create your own personal elevator statement for yourself that doesn't conflict with anything that you're doing at work. Right. So you can have an elevator statement talking about how you're a passionate sales and marketing executive who's been in the industry for X amount of years and to contact you with more questions. And that's an area that I think that people miss out on and they think, oh, I'm just going to pronounce my name. Well, that's a missed opportunity. And then in your bio, having your email address, a lot of times people can't find your email on your profile. And having your email address in your bio or having another way to contact you, your phone number, your your email address, et cetera, having that in there, I think is very impactful as well as having a headline with specific keywords that you are looking to achieve. So it could be what your current role is, the role that you are looking to achieve and potentially another role that would also fall into place about yourself. I see, and I'm sure you guys see the same thing. These, the headlines of people that have absolutely nothing to do with what they do. And it, it's, they're more personal 
headlines. I think with the headlines, you want to have areas that tie in with the keywords. So that way, if someone is searching from a headhunter or recruiter perspective, they're searching for specific keywords. You want to know which keywords they're searching for to have match up with your headline. And I would say those would be like my top areas to really focus on to make your profile pop. Spot on. Man, you gave us so much value today. Thank you so much. I know our <laughs> listeners are going to be like, if you, I mean, yeah, you, hopefully they have like a pen and paper and they're just like, just typing away and taking all these notes because you gave so much great info. I want to pivot and talk about your backstory of how you got to start Melanie Borden LLC. We saw that and you said that you're, you started kind of in the automotive space. Sergio and I actually were both in that space a little bit. We used to rent cars really? out of college. Enterprise yeah. Rent-A-Car. Enterprise Rent-A-Car. So you work with the dealerships. Wow. And we got to see like, it's a hustle in the dealerships. Like, it's intense. Like all the people are super stressed out. Like it's like a hustle and grind sort of atmosphere. I mean, if you did not pick up chain smoking while you were at the dealership <laughs> or uh, eating. eating, oh my God, eating. And I was always 30 pounds overweight. At yeah. <laughs> Cause you're so stressed out from all the crap I you know. deal with. You're like, I'm going to go get some sandwiches from subway or wherever. And then or like, it's a miracle. If you didn't pick up chain smoking. It's a stressful environment. So give us a little in like your insight into like how it was working there and like what made you make the pivot. So it was, and everything you're saying is spot on. And I like to joke around and I say this frequently. If you can make it in the car business in New York and New Jersey, you can work in any industry and you can do anything because it really is cutthroat as dog eat dog. It is intense. And it is, I, it is definitely a place where you learn about yourself <laughs> and what you can handle. And, and I'll say that much. And I fell into the car business. It was kind of an accident. I was working in advertising for a publisher and there was, and I was working inside. I was in New York city. I was living in New York city and I was really young. I was only 22 and I had this opportunity to go work for this tech company and it was not inside. It was outside. It wasn't in an office. And it was serving car dealers and working with car dealers on, on different marketing services. And that's how I got started. But my territory was New York City, New Jersey, Long Island. And then it expanded out to Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire. And I pretty much had the Eastern Corridor. And I pretty much saw everything and experienced everything mm -hmm. um, that you could ever imagine. Like anything that anyone thinks about the car business is true. <laughs> I'm, just thinking, I'm, I'm thinking of how tough like a shady used car salesman is in, in New York. Like how difficult that would be to deal with that person. Listen, it's it's definitely <laughs> tough. But what I'll say this much is, is when you work in automotive, whether you're working in retail like I did, or you're working as a vendor, which I did and I am now, it's all about proving your worth and, and having that street credibility and showing what you can do to help sell and service more cars. And that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. And so when I went to go work for a dealer group working internally, it was an area that I knew would be really difficult. I knew it was going to be challenging. I knew it was going to be tough. And I knew I was going to be dealing with a lot of different personalities. And I knew there were going to be a lot of things coming at me at once. 
But I have to say it was one of the best experiences of my life. And I learned and grew so much during the process and not just about what I can handle, but I learned about how dealerships operationally run. And I never would have had that Intel if I was just working, you know, as a vendor slash supplier. So LinkedIn presented an opportunity to me early last year to go work for a tech company within the automotive space. And what was happening all along since I created this LinkedIn presence is companies would contact me all the time saying, we love you. We love your content. Let's have a conversation. And that kind of happened to me over the course, I would say like a year or so from the time I started really building my LinkedIn until like early last year. And this company reached out to me and I was in the right place at the right time. And they were really excited about just starting this journey. And it all came through LinkedIn, but I had continued to have these feelings and I had had them even when I was at the dealer group, like I want to have my own business. I want to work for myself. And people reached out to me asking me, can you help me with my personal brand? Do you do coaching? Do you do consulting? Can you help my business? Do you do that on the side? And I never did anything on the side because I just didn't have the time to do it. And so I made the decision in July of this past year, in 2021, I made the decision to start my business, Melanie Gordon LLC, and do the things that I was doing within the tech company and within the dealer group, which was running all their marketing and just doing it for myself. And now I can scale it where I'm not just working for one company, I'm working for many, and I'm also working for executives and I'm able to scale my knowledge outside of just one place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's how I And that's how I made the switch. Yeah, I just made it happen. Your website looks great, by the way. Thank you. Thanks. It's been a journey. And I was, the thing that held me back the most was just having that confidence to say, okay, I can work for myself and I can do it. I have two kids. I'm a single parent. I was very nervous about letting go of the salary and the benefits. That was the thing that really held me back the most. And everything that I had learned throughout that COVID experience was you need to have something to fall back on. And sometimes you just have to trust yourself enough to say, I got this and I can do it. And that's pretty much what I did. (laughs) Yeah. One thing that I've noticed uh, since we've done this podcast, we've, we've been blessed to interview some very successful entrepreneurs on this podcast. And a common theme is that, all of them kind of go the same path where they don't jump in both feet. They start on this little side project and they work on it, they work on it, and then they get so successful at it that they can eventually branch off. Now, going back for your path, do you think that's the same for you? Or do you think you would have been better if you just said, I'm done with the dealership, I'm jumping right in? No, I think that my path was the right path for me. It definitely was. I think that The opportunity at the tech company opened me up to the world, again, outside of working in retail and seeing the day-to-day within a tech company. And now today, I would say if I didn't have that experience, I might not have been here today because I was very comfortable in my role in the dealer group. And I was very happy with what I was doing. If that other opportunity hadn't presented itself to me, I might not have had the confidence to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And I will tell you that the first three months of my business was me creating content. I mean, you just mentioned the website, Sergio. That's literally what I worked on for three months was building my content. And I didn't make the announcement until the fall that I started my business because 
I was so focused on making sure that everything was set and ready to roll before I made the announcement. But what I'll say about that for anyone who's watching, who's thinking about going off on their own, you're never going to be hundred percent ready. You're never going to be at hundred percent. You're always going to be at, you know, a point where you think you can improve or you can change or you can do something else. You just have to pull the trigger and just move. What's been the biggest hurdle since you've gone and started Melanie Borden LLC, like what's the biggest one? I know it's a relatively new journey that you're having great success with, but there's got to, there had to been like a, a moment where you're like, maybe this wasn't it. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't be doing this. Like what's been the biggest hurdle so far? No. And I've never felt like that this entire time. I've always felt like this was the right decision for me to make. The biggest hurdle that I'll tell you that I've had is time and time management. And that's for me been my struggle. And I've discovered like different project management tools that I can use to manage the projects and manage my clients, but really just working as a consultant, identifying like my days and my time and how I'm spending my time and maximizing all the hours in my day without having to work 17 hours in a day, (laughs) which there have been days in my weeks where I'm working from, you know, seven o'clock in the morning until one o'clock in the morning. And just having that balance with time management has been my struggle. And I work on it all the time. That's awesome. I was curious, this isn't like related to branding, but so I'm Lee knows I'm a big Tesla fan and the automotive kind of world, I think is going to be disrupted very soon. I'm curious, like you work with a lot of dealerships. When I bought my, my, when I bought the Tesla, I never walked into a dealership. It was all online. Do you have any thoughts of like, where the auto like automotive industry is going and like, are they going to become more modern? I think some of the stuff you're doing is good and helping, but like, I don't know if this question makes sense, but like, what are your thoughts on like where the auto industry is going and how can they like, not to be rude, jump to the 21st century and beyond? I know. Well, you want to know what it is. I think you have so many dealerships in the country who have been so successful and you have owners and you have management who have been very successful and they know the business better than anyone else. And change is really hard. And COVID sped that up a lot where a lot of dealerships weren't what we call, they weren't retelling, they weren't offering services for their guests to be able to purchase a vehicle through their website. They weren't implementing processes and strategies that would complement someone, whoever they are, whatever their needs were. And that portion has changed. And I would say that a lot of dealerships just don't do a good job marketing that and letting people know that they can work with them. And if they're looking to purchase a vehicle through the website that they can, because that technology is now available. But I think that, and there are, we could talk about this for a long period of time. (laughs) I could talk about this. I was more just curious for myself. I know it's not really to the show. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely EVs, electric vehicles are here and they're not going anywhere. And there is definitely something to be said. I myself, for example, I drive a BMW. And when I got my car, I had a Lexus and I did everything over the phone with the dealership. They came to my house. I signed all the paperwork. They dropped the car off and they took my trade. And I think sometimes it's just a matter of being able to ask those questions. But I, I do think change is really hard. And I think that the industry is, it's changing regardless if someone wants it to change or not. And what we're seeing is there's a lot of acquisitions that are happening in the industry. Very large public groups are buying other groups and other dealerships. And that's going to continue to happen and to evolve as dealerships are making changes to the times. 
Yeah, my co-host, he has a tattoo of Elon Musk on his butt. So he's you do? <laughs> well, maybe going to Mars. Are you gonna be on his ship? <laughs> he's on the Elon train. <laughs> I'm on the Elon. I mean, I'm on the Tesla train. I, gas prices the way they are, like, why wouldn't I be? Yeah. They're very fast. They are very fast. Yeah. I can't go fast very often with my kids. What do you like the most about it? Is it just you just love the experience that you don't, that it just gets delivered to your home. You don't have to deal with anyone. The, the, are you talking about the purchase experience or the driving experience? The purchase experience. I literally had to deal with no human. I said, I want a Tesla. I go online. I buy the Tesla. They yeah. tell me when it's ready. They deliver it to my house. Yeah. It's, there's something to be said about that, but I will say this much. There's also a huge portion of the world that still wants to get in the car. They still want to, they don't want to deal with the back and forth. They don't want to deal with the BS, you know, of the the, the part like the haggling and the pricing. They don't want the haggling. They don't want that, but there are people that still want to get in the car. They want to drive it. They want to see it. They want to smell it before they make that purchase. But there are those like yourself and myself who would prefer to just deal with no one and just have the car delivered. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Yes. Melanie, thank you so much for coming on our show today. How can people reach out to you? And like, how can they connect with you? So the best way to reach me is through my website, melanieborden.com. That's really the hub of everything that I'm doing. And all my socials are linked. I'm on Instagram. I'm on um, LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. And I'm also on TikTok and YouTube. And they're all linked on my site. Awesome. So listeners, make sure you check her out. Obviously, she is doing something right. So right. And thank you for being one of the best guests we've ever had on this show in terms of all the value you drop. I mean, we have a lot of people that are on the drops. Great tips. Man, you were just rolling. So I know that our listeners forward this episode on people that are in the job hunt trying to build that brand. This is one of the best episodes you're going to get. No, thank you. It's been an honor to have you on. You've been listening to the Fruit Sabi Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The free retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.